The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Everybody, welcome to the Road to World Football Show. It is week four. We are previewing it. We being me, Patrick Darty, Kyle Dvorak, Denny Carter. Game of the century. Bills, Dolphins, Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's unfortunately not on NBC. Jets, Chiefs will be on NBC Sunday night. A little person you may have heard of called Taylor Swift is going to be there. <laughs> and hopefully it's not the only reason to watch. Yeah, I was going to say, now we have a reason. Jets looking very powerfully into making that game unwatchable. We really hope. They do not. We have Falcons and Jaguars in London. We have Commanders, Eagles, Bengals, Titans, Vikings, Panthers with Bryce Young returning. Uh, Yet another big slate of games. We're going to talk about all of them. Just what's your state of mind, guys? Week four, are you the Joker yet? Is uh, your personal happiness Jover? How are you guys doing heading into the fourth week of the NFL season? Uh, The fact that uh, there are like four waiver wire running backs in the top 12 in the rankings this week makes me pretty happy. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. That actually makes you happy. It makes me happy because it, it works for my redraft teams. It works very exactly. well. Exactly. If you draft the way Denny and I do, it's been a solid run out to start the season. Well, it's true. You know what? I got the both worlds on that front. I have a home league where my first two picks were Jamar Chase and Devonte Adams. Guess uh, how many points I had after two weeks? Uh, Zero. Fewest. The absolute <laughs> fewest until. A man by the name of Jerry Ford came and saved the day in week three, and go. I had the most points in week three. So, uh, sure, it had more to do with Jamar Chase and Devonta Adams finally playing watchable football. But you should have spread RB. the points they scored in week three back into weeks two and one, because I assume you just destroyed your opponent in week three. I did. Um, I mean, not to get to the the terminology, the official terminology is that I put them in a body bag. <laughs> <laughs> My friend's dad. That's not a joke. I was playing my friend's dad. <laughs> and, and your friend forgives you. It's part of the game. You know, it's part of the game. You put your opponent in the in the bag. Uh, you know, by the way, I, I was playing against Devontae Adams. Actually, Mike Clay from ESPN had Devontae Adams against me on Sunday guy. night. And I, I had a big lead on Mike. And I and I was really trying trying my best to beat to beat old Mike because Mike beats me every time. And uh I saw that the Steelers we're going to do do the single coverage man coverage on Devontae Adams throughout. And I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> and is that the Apex League, by the way? That is I did the, the exact same thing to Sigmund Bloom, only it was I had Jamar Chase and he nice. did the same thing. 
do Sigmund Bloom and and I was, resigned from the Apex League. Right, and I I knew I was you knew you're dead. Like I in the first quarter, I was like, I can't survive this because the Steelers have have said we're going to let Devontae Adams get whatever he wants, and that that was bad. That for happens me. like six times a year where the Steelers are like the opponent's number one receiver. One of our linebackers can handle him. <laughs> like Keenan Allen did it to them like two years ago, I think, yeah. late in the season, and ripped like a thirty ball or something, and they do that. <laughs> incredibly often for a team that is generally pretty smart, well-coached, especially in the defensive side of the ball, shockingly okay with the number one receiver dropping a 15, 150, and two line on him. (laughs) That's so true. The Keenan Allen game was legendary. It was a linebacker covering Keenan Allen. Um, Anyways, we'll get into the main slate here. The Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills' latest game of the century takes place in Buffalo, New York, with the home team operating as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Miami squad that you may have heard just scored 70 points on the Denver Broncos. Danny Carter, we already talked about this a little on Tuesday, but what are realistic expectations for Devin A. Shane, one of the biggest parts of that absolute romp for the Dolphins, now known as Devin A. Chan, by the way. After his career week three, we've covered he's probably never going to have a better game as long as he plays NFL football, even if he's a star. He was already rostered in a lot of leagues. He's now rostered in probably 98% of leagues. What are realistic expectations for Devin H. I think, you know, low end RB2 with, with some upside, uh, with a lot of upside, because he, he can, you know, break, break any, any uh, kind of long run he wants uh, if he gets the opportunity. The, the, the Bills, it's, it's hard to figure out if the Bills are a good matchup for running backs or a terrible matchup because you know they allow 5.9 yards per carry, but what's the other side of that coin? Well, but that's skewed bigly by the jets going bananas against them on the, the opening on in week one. And since then they've actually been pretty good. Uh, I, I, so I don't, I'm, I hesitate to say that this is a, a great spot for a Chan who, by the way, when he was in college, he told reporters apparently, to call him a chain, so we're 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 very confused here. Anyway, uh, you dude, uh, you drop a, a fifty burger on you know uh, on your what first it is. real game. You can call yourself whatever you want. I mean, he yes. has to again. He has to drop forty again to change the name. But every time you do that legally, you are allowed to change your name. Kyle, I I actually think that that's the case. Like I'm like look at me now. Like you, I'm gonna I'm gonna be called what I want to be called. And say Chan. Uh, I'm gonna invent a silent e. Yes. And, you know, congrats on that. So I, I do, I think most are, you can expect like a 60, 40 split in the backfield at best for HN. I think that it could be 65, 35, something like that. Um, don't get, don't get too nuts with HN. I actually think that in a 10 team league, you might be in a position where you don't have to play him. Is that, is that weird to say? How do you think, Danny and I talked about this a lot already. So what is your take on this, Kyle? We probably talked about this on the waiver show yeah. also. But what's a realistic just to start with touch count against the Bills? Is ten to twelve too low, too high? How does that sound to you for Devin Achan touches? I mean, I expect this to be like obviously Vegas also expect it to be a high scoring, high pace game. So I think that could again inflate the numbers this week in terms of total touches. For this game, I'd probably project him over a dozen, probably closer to like 13, 14. And he's gonna be probably I mean, it's hard to say he won't be the most efficient running back on a per touch basis over a large sample. That's just what this offense does. And that's what he's going to do. But when you're working with 12 to 14 touches as your expectation, you don't get in the end zone once and you're in line for like nine PPR points or something. So that's going to be volatile. We also saw last week that if he breaks two long plays, which he's 
relative to the rest of the league, very likely to do on his 14 touches, 30 points is in the range of outcomes. So I think I think I have him ranked as like RB25 or 6. I have to go back and check my rankings, but I think I moved some stuff around and noticed that he just fell out of the RB2 range, and he could finish as the RB2 overall. Like, that is the range of outcomes. It's so wide, but I think it's worth chasing because I want I want guys who can score a lot of points on my fantasy rosters. That might surprise people. It might even, it might even offend some people. But the guys who can drop 30 in a given week, I don't care what their floor is. Play those guys. Yeah, I, I actually do agree with you. And and looking at the uh, the rushing metrics for the Bills defense, I'm seeing now that the that the Bills uh, are among the worst in allowing yards before contact, and that's the sort of thing that you don't want to give up against an explosive guy like A Chan. Yeah, I have A Chan right inside the top 24. I believe RB 23 or 24. The looming specter here is Jeff Wilson supposedly returning from injured reserve in Week Five. So, mm-hmm. of yet another variable in this Dolphins backfield where we don't know what a chance workloads are like. We know Raheem Mostert wears down as every season goes on. We know everyone who's ever like had a phone call with Kyle Shanahan loves Jeff Wilson, especially as a goal line back for some reason. So they can't, they just love the guy. So we'll see what happens in the backfield. This scoring environment though, you can call him an RB two. Maybe it's like very borderline in sure. Kyle's case, but you can call him an RB two. Kyle, so we're talking about like the bills and how things are kind of hard to judge. Cause Things were so out of whack from that Jets game. That included like that disastrous, uh, that disastrous Josh Allen hero ball. And he's been very buttoned up and restrained the past two weeks. We've gotten like station to station Josh Allen for basically the first time in his NFL career. It's still been profitable in fantasy, but which of the two Joshes should we expect to see in a, a game where the total is 54 points, by far the highest of week four? Yeah, like you said, it's a game where we expect a lot of back and forth, extremely high total. And to me, that's like the perfect uh, hero ball. I guess a low scoring but also close game like we saw in week one is also a hero ball Josh Allen type of performance. It just uh, like you can tell it was uh, a Josh Allen hero ball performance by the fact that there are a bunch of interceptions. Sometimes they run good. He gets Gabe Davis downfield and that's that's night night for the opponents. Sometimes overthrows double coverage interception quite easy, but I think either way, the style is that it is probably more fun, exciting Josh Allen as the game gets closer. And I expect this to be a close game as does Vegas. So and I think it's probably to some degree uh, overblown by the week two, I don't know, performance, but the week two a dot that was like sub six, I believe by Josh Allen, his other two games are a dots well over eight and over 10. So I think it's reasonable to expect a slightly lower target depth for him versus previous years. Like they're clearly loading up on talent at tight end last year. They signed Dawson Knox, like $50 million contract. Seems like a lot. Cole Komet Komet laughs at that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cole Komet saw that and like, I'll take one of those and the fries on the side, please. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then they go out and draft Dalton Kincaid. Also last year drafted James Cook, who is known as a strong pass catching running back. All this is to say that they're working, I think to give him options to throw too short, it's not going to change the nature of who he is. I still think he is this wild, uh, reckless abandon and good at that quarterback. They're doing their efforts to give him options in the short and intermediate range. He's not always going to throw to them. Sometimes he's just chucking it to Gabe Davis and that's who he is. And almost certainly who he always will be. And this is a spot where that should come out. Denny, not many questions on the other side with the dolphins. It's an elite offense. It's a narrow target distribution in fantasy. Tua Tagovailoa has reproven. He's one of the best fantasy quarterbacks when he can stay healthy in this system. Jalen Waddell, by his 2022 standards, is off to something of a slow start. You put here in the show sheet, four catches for 78 yards, four for 86. I think those are his two stat lines. A little, little quieter than we're used to expect. Or we at least expect more blowups mixed in. Then he had a concussion 
anything in the underlying data to su- suggest maybe this would be a trend for Jalen Waddle or is it just a small sample size fluke? I, I think it's it's the latter for sure. Uh, you know, I, I look very strongly at all of, all of his underlying metrics, yards per route run, slot rate, target share, air yard share. It's all extremely similar to last season. His A dot, his average depth, depth of target cr- uh, has crept up a little bit this season, but again, very small sample. His catchable ball rate is a little lower. Okay, wow. but two really two edge well, over. We will be. I think we'll be okay if you're if you the have funniest thing, Denny, is that last year you pointed out, or in the off season, you were correct in pointing out that he couldn't. Like it's very hard to lead the NFL in yards per reception. I think north of eighteen. Like that's just not sticky. That's that's a, a stat that doesn't hang year over year. He's at twenty right now at yards per reception. Like I think again, it's fair to assume these numbers will scale back. But as is the case with essentially every dolphin that actually sees the ball, they're going to be one of the most efficient players at their position. Tyreek Hill, it is safe to say, will probably continue to lead the league in yards per route run until he falls off. For as many years as that is, he's going to be the best at that. Jalen Waddle, yards per reception. You might not project him 420 in a given year. You probably shouldn't, but he's going to be the guy you project to lead the league in, in yards per reception. So, like you said, he looks like the same guy. And honestly, two games of 75 and 86 yards or whatever they were, it's good. That's not like and, a sign for concern. Yeah, it's just we haven't gotten the, the blow up yet. He was going to have a blow up against the Chargers. He had to leave the game with a concussion. You know, he that that was coming. So I mean, he would have destroyed the Broncos. Everyone on that field destroyed yeah. the Broncos. He just wasn't active for that game. Right. James Cook, real quick, is this happening? Looking like an RB one, even without the goal line. So it it's weird. It seemed like everyone was right. I was like, is this guy Chase Edmonds? The answer is sort of yes, but he's much better than Chase Edmonds. Is it that simple, or is it happening, Denny Carter, for James Cook in the top ten? Oh, it's happening, uh, and and it's happening without any of the stuff that we wanted near the goal line. And, and we just you just have to accept that if you drafted James Cook, you've you've enjoyed it over three weeks. It's been good for PPR purposes, especially. But you have to accept that if you watch a Bills game, you're going to see Latavius Murray score the touchdown at the one. Okay, that's just going to happen, and that's okay. That's all right. You know, where you draft draft him in the sixth round, you're good. Um, at least sixteen touches in every game. Dolphins are allowing the second highest yards before contact per attempt. That means, you know, that correlates closely with long runs, with explosive runs. And they've give, uh, Dolphins have given up the second highest rushing success rate. Part One of my pet theories, guys, from last week, and I don't know if I show, shared this with you, Pat, uh, during the wrap-up show, but uh, Javante Williams was going to have a big day against the Dolphins. Like, he, it was going to happen, and they just simply couldn't run the ball anymore when they got down 70-20. Uh, to 20. They couldn't run the ball anymore. So uh, <laughs> usually I, it's hard to establish when you're down 50. Yeah, hard, it is tough. I, I think that there's a chance that the Bills is kind of establish it here. I like Cook a lot. Javante Williams is going to have a big game this week against the Bears. We're going to have a big short break and be right back after this. NBA training camp starts soon, and here is your chance to get an assist with your fantasy draft with the Roto World Basketball Draft Guide. Visit NBCSports.com and use promo code HOOPS23 at checkout. To score a 20% discount, a $10 e-gift card to Fanatics, and free season-long tools with your draft guide purchase. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? 
when we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It'll be really good stuff from Raphael and the, the boys over on the NBA side, but we're, we're here to talk about football. We're here to talk about football guys. Uh, Arthur Smith. Doug Peterson, the king of England, because this game's being played in London yet again for some reason. The Falcons and Jaguars head to London town with the Jags running as three-point favorites despite their poor start, Kyle. What is ailing this Jaguars offense, and how might it turn around? Look, I get this is going to sound like Cope, but uh, the Jaguars are kind of running bad on a lot of not super sticky and things. And he's coping. I'm I, I, I'm definitely coping a little <laughs> bit. Like I get it. It's it, it's not only does it sound like cope. It's kind of a little bit uh, of cope. But like we, you know, we talk about stuff like drops or like third down conversion rate. They're doing terrible in those. Cope. They lead the NFL cope. in drops. They have nine drops from all of their pass catchers. A bunch of teams are tied with seven. They've lost the most EPA in the NFL on drops. They have uh, their 21st in red zone touchdown rate. They're 28th in EPA on third downs, and they're 29th in third down conversion rate over expected. These are things that I expect. They might not be great, right? Like, I don't think this is a team where, like, like I said, Mike McDaniel, I think you should just project his teams, any metric you want, project them to be above average. This is probably just an average team in terms of really deep strategic value, but they're not terrible, and they have a lot of talent, and we saw that last year when they had less talent. So I'm not really buying that they're they're dead to rights at this point. Trevor Lawrence also, I believe, top three in the NFL in PFS big-time throw rate, and he's outside the top 25 in turnover-worthy play rate. Like He's looking the best he has ever looked. His receivers just can't catch the damn ball. I don't, they're not bad though. Like yeah. he's not playing with scrubs. I think they'll get it together, but maybe I'm wrong. And they just keep dropping passes and they keep running bad in the red zone. They keep running bad on third downs, but I don't think they'll keep running bad on all those things. Maybe some of them, but they will almost certainly be better. I, I take that pretty confidently. Danny, do you have a Jaguars thought there? Or are you no, ready? I mean, Kyle's right. Look, uh, Trevor Lawrence's numbers are horrific. I like, like the, the metrics are not kind. Like he's in like the Zach Wilson territory he in is some regards. In yeah, so that's bad. But uh, if Calvin Ridley holds on to that touchdown last week against the Texans, I think we are singing a, a different tune on this offense. And the Falcons offense, I'm sorry, the Falcons defense is exploitable. I, I, I think this is a... Not an eruption spot, but a get right spot. Get, get right spot. Get right Denny, spot. are you singing a different tune after B. John Robinson played 81% of the snaps last week? Curious, huh? Interesting. Uh, We're getting that. Is the, the blow up week finally here for B. John, who was on the field for over 80% of the snaps in week three? Did not correlate to a strong box score, though. It's still been like fits, stops, and starts where he's getting tantalizingly close, but he has not mm-hmm. quite been there yet. What is your B. John outlook for week four? Yeah, us at the Tyler Algier Corporation, uh, we have not issued a statement on that 81% snap share. We're, we're going to be back. We're, we'll get back to you as soon as we can on that. The, the uh, crisis comms team is uh, in disarray, <laughs> has not drafted the statement yet. We are, uh, you, you may hear we're reeling. We're not reeling. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is a terrible matchup, actually. Uh, sorry, but um, uh, only only that. Cleveland, only Cleveland, which is insane numbers so far defensively. Only yeah. Cleveland has a lower success rate or a better success rate against the rush than the Jags. Jags have allowed the second lowest explosive rush rate through three games. Uh, this, folks, is why the Jaguars are the second most extreme pass funnel in the entire league, just behind the Niners. You know who doesn't care? I got a guy who oh, no. has not seen su- such stats. No, that's right. No, no, no. It does not matter against the Falcons. I want to emphasize doesn't. that. I will say that it's against running backs, too. That included week one, a bunch of Deion Jackson touches for the Colts, then the Chiefs, within then two the weeks, Texans. They haven't faced anyone even close to Bijan Robinson or anyone even close to Tyler Algier yet. But the stats, yeah, the stats. He threw you a little bone with that Tyler Algier thing. That was nice. Real quick, I, 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 Bijan has been elite, you know, by every measure uh, so far. And also, I wanted to mention that Atlanta is targeting running backs at the league's second highest rate. Uh, that's part of the reason Bijan leads all running backs in receptions. And folks, listen, if you if you have Drake, Drake London, you're not going to like this stat. No one has targeted receivers at a lower rate than the Falcons, and it's not even close. Okay, they're at the bottom by a mile. 35% of the targets this season have gone to wide receivers for Atlanta. There are like single receivers that have a 35% target share. It's the best of them, but like Devontae Adams can get a 35% target share. And all like seven or whatever active roster receivers on the Falcons cannot get to that number in the aggregate. That I don't realize how bad that was. Mike. God. Yeah, yeah, Kyle, I was going to ask you what's even left to say about Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and I think you just said it, that it's just jaw-dropping. We're dumbstruck, and there's no real cope for the situation. It's just real bad. Here's the the worst part. I'm sorry to interrupt, Kyle, uh, but the the Falcons target the tight end position at the highest rate in the NFL? Yeah, I think think the cope starts Pitts is – I think the cope with Pitts is they're using him like a receiver. Like he's got a seven, he's got a 19% target share and a 47% air yard share because they're not throwing to their receivers. The way you move the chains, if you are not throwing to your receivers has to be through the athletic tight end. So he's got great market share numbers. And I've said this before, but like tight end is, is just dreadful. Like Donald Parham is probably the tight end three or something just absurd. Tight end's been bad as i can remember are you triggered by touchdowns kyle i do the thing is i'm triggered by most of these touchdown these tight end touchdowns i don't like but as a uh, 2020 xfl fan i'm actually very excited to see donald parham popping (laughs) off so he's the one exception i'll make for this like i played this guy at 3200 in dfs and he was four i can't believe so and so scoring (laughs) he's allowed to he's allowed to burn me like that it's fine it's fine because he's he's legit but point i'm making is like Kyle Pitts gets you three points and it like literally doesn't matter. You've lost no ground. He still has insane weekly upside, but we're going to see it so infrequently that the only, the cope I have is tight end sucks. And he is among the guys who aren't scoring a lot of points. Denny just arched an eyebrow at Kyle almost word for word saying there's no difference between good and bad things. Yeah, I don't there know. Are, the problem is there are no good things. We have like two. No, wait a sec. Wait a sec. Kind of what you were saying. You could get Taysom Hill right now and play him over Pitts. Ooh, no, you couldn't. Uh, no, you got to give up that obsession. The league's two most, we'll talk about it later. The league's two most embattled teams are squaring off in Chicago, Illinois. The Bears hosting the Broncos as three and a half point underdogs. Denny, we will start with Justin Fields. We said last week it was now or never. Uh, what does that make this week? After it's it never. Very much never in week three. <laughs> 
Okay, I, I actually have I in in pouring over the numbers, I, I have a stat that might mean nothing, but I just had to share it with the folks. Uh Justin Fields in week three against Kansas City converted 20% of his air yards into actual yards. Okay. That is, I mean, that's actually like un unbelievable. Like I can't believe it. So really bad stuff from Justin Fields. But we, hey, you know what we got? We got some design rushes. We got seven design rushes for 47 yards from Justin Fields against the Chiefs, okay? So 4.7 fantasy points there. Uh, 11 rushes overall against the Chiefs. He remains near the bottom of every category passing-wise. I, I I don't know. I don't – I just don't think that there's any, like, getting out of that for Fields in this offense. He's going to have to do it with his legs against Denver. E- even though Denver's secondary stinks – He's still going to have to do it with his legs. My fear in this this game where the Broncos are a great matchup for Justin Fields, but Justin Fields is also a great matchup for a struggling defense. My fear is that that is what it's going to take the day, that Justin Fields is just what the doctor ordered for the Broncos and not vice versa. Because how could that not be the takeaway after watching his first three games, basically? Yeah, kind of. Uh, Kyle, on the other side, Javante Williams' usage has been really solid through the first three weeks. At least I think it has. I didn't dig too deep into that. It seems like it's been solid. The fantasy points have not followed. Does that change here against the Chicago Bears, who cannot stop uh, anything? Yeah, it does look like a good spot. Uh, I mean, he is right now a carry share in terms of his overall cut of the pie, just around 60%. It's basically within 5% of that every single week. Strangely, I mean, they have some RGP run, so I get why they're doing it, but they're not using him a ton out of the backfield. He's drawing targets at a high clip. He's only run around on 30% of the team's drop back. So I think for Javante, at least the way they're using him right now is that he is their clear between the tackles back, but they've been losing so much. I mean, they've been losing all the time and often quite horrifically that you just can't play him when you think, which seems to be the case fairly often, they're going to be losing. The good news is they've got a winnable one on their hands in this week. So, yeah, like you said, the usage has been there, especially in terms of his cut of the overall carries, specifically carries, not as much targets. And that makes him sort of like in the Brian Robinson range of he's going to be really matchup dependent. And his team, like Brian Robinson's, not particularly good. So it's hard to know when to start him. But this is the one, as you point out, if we're ever going to get the Javante machine firing is against this bad defense where they are favorites, which will be rare for the Broncos, it seems at least this year. So I like this spot for him, though. I think for him to be like an every week starter, he has to at least get a larger cut of the routes. He doesn't have to completely shut Samaj P. Ryan out. Few running backs shut out their backup, but he needs to be at least a little more versatile uh, outside of this week. This is a good one. Danny, anything to say about the Bears receivers? DJ Moore had a good week, too. He got the garbage time touchdown in week three. Still seems fairly bleak on the whole. Chase Claypool isn't doing anything to quell talk that he should maybe be a healthy scratch. What do we tell people about the Bears receivers? Well, first thing I want to tell you, Pat, is that Chase Claypool continues running as the wide receiver, two for the Bears, uh, ahead of Darnell Mooney last week against the Chiefs. Not it's, worried about uh, it in Dynasty. I'm not worried about it at all. Really something. <laughs> uh yeah, uh, you know, Mooney only played 65% or mm-hmm. only ran 65% of the routes against Kansas City. That's a little bit of a concern if you're for some reason holding on to him. Uh, DJ Moore is once again, as he always is, uh, commanding an absurd chunk of the air yards and the targets, and nothing has changed really. Um, Bears have targeted wide receivers on 50% of the team's targets. That is the second lowest rate in the league behind the aforementioned Falcons. So nobody's going to get home. Like, one guy might get home per week and I'm, you know, you bank on it being DJ Moore. There's really nobody else there to uh, start. 
Very quickly, do either of you have anything of value to say about the Bears' backfield? And if not, we can just literally move on. It's tough. I mean... I second that motion. Yeah. Right, they, we're not going to talk about it. Just you know, Google it or something. <laughs> the, the, the Eagles, welcome to the Commanders to the City of Brotherly Love as eight-point favorites. Kyle, DeAndre Swift has taken the league by storm over the past two weeks. He barely played in week one, I think his second in the league in rushing. But Kenneth Gainwell still handled 15 week three touches. Can we trust DeAndre Swift as an RB1, or is it still just a little too volatile, still a little too big play dependent? Yeah, RB1. I I, I don't have him ranked as an RB1. I, I have him as a very high upside RB2. But last week, and I think last week was, it looks closer than it really was. I believe Swift outcarried Kenneth Gainwell, quote, just 16 to 14. But six of Gainwell's carries came on the final drive where the game was over. It's a two possession game. They're just trying to efficiently run out the clock. That's what they did. But before then, it was very clear that they had come into the game saying they were going to ride the hot hand and Swift's hands were on fire. Like he's clearly just extremely explosive. And the Eagles' incredible run blocking makes it so what we saw in Detroit was that this dude, boy, does he struggle to follow blocks. You know what makes that really easy? If there are just holes you can drive trucks through, and then you get this man into open space, and he's untackleable. So this is the perfect setup for him where, I mean, Detroit's run blocking was good, but this team is truly otherworldly in how good they are and how effective the quarterback is at drawing the eyes of linebackers. So I think the only concerns for me is that the quarterback is the best goal linebacker in the NFL, and Gainwell isn't shut out. Like I, like I said with Javante, there's still a clear cutout role for the backup. So I'm going to have Swift as like a volatile RB2, but I don't even know if it's that volatile, frankly. If you're giving me, he feels more like I said, A chain's like, oh, you're hoping to get 12. Swift, especially in any game where they're not playing an opponent that can really go toe to toe with them, this is not one of those games. You're probably locked in for 15 plus carries, and I expect him to be extremely efficient. So you're just banking on, do I get 100 yards and no touchdown or 100 yards and two touchdowns? Both are in play. I mean, to be honest, that's why I put him in the top 12 and I really didn't worry about it that much just because there's no volatility with the way this offensive line road paves. And like you said, if you can – DeAndre Swift, if he's behind a road paving line and he gets out in space, I mean, that's major, major problems for the defense. This was each of the past two weeks. And some weeks there are clearly going to be letdowns where it's like 13 carries for 40 yards. He just doesn't hit the big play or two. But I, I think it's become at this point where the big game is more likely than not and that if he stayed healthy, I think RB1 numbers are just inevitable. And I got to keep him in the top 12 for that reason. And I'll say something totally different about it next week when he has one <laughs> bad game. Denny, what is going on with these commanders receivers? Nothing usable from Terry McLaurin. Nothing usable from Jahan Dodson. Uh, Sam Howell taking a lot of sacks, throwing a lot of picks. What can right. we tell people about the Washington wideouts? Right. Our own Zach Kruger was on local DC radio talking about Sam Howell taking all the sacks. And this all has been sacks. an issue throughout his football career, not just in the NFL, also in college, all the way back to middle school, really. So he just wants uh, to feel something. I, I appreciate Zach Kruger uh, for bringing the analytics to radio. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's miserable right now. I, I actually had to, to like triple check this before the show because I didn't believe it, but McLaurin and Dotson have each seen one target over 20 yards through three games. Okay. Each, okay. Sam Howell has the lowest uh, downfield throwing rate of, of any quarterback in the league. 
uh, being sacked at an historic clip. Um, yeah, and Powell's been terrible. He's, he has the league's second worst rate uh, on of on target throws. Uh, the team is thirtieth in target share to, to receivers. There's there's no hope until this team is forced to make the switch to Jacoby Brissett, which I would say is is probably a week or two away. I think we're close. the The NFL record for sacks in a game. I don't think they started tracking sacks until like the seventies or eighties or something, maybe in the nineties. But just for this purpose, the NFL record is seventy six. Would you guys like to venture a guess? He's on pace to set the record. How many sacks is he on pace for? A hundred and seventy six is the record. A hundred. He's on track. He's on track for a hundred and four. That's what I thought. I thought Pat. No. Uh, I'm you know, not trying to do math in my head, even though I actually badly want to. I just didn't want to come out wide. It's like 112, I believe, though. You guys actually split the middle perfectly. It's 108. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. impressed you guys both got so close. 108. He's on pace for 32 more sacks than the most sacks anyone's ever taken. He's also on pace for like 28 interceptions, which isn't the record. It's not like extremely close. It'd be like a top 20 season, though. I, I think you just can't play like this. It's completely unsustainable with these mistakes too. It's one thing to see someone like Josh Dobbs go out and he's not awfully impressive, but he does not make mistakes. He keeps the team on schedule and doesn't do things that a coach sees and needs to bench. Is he like a talent elevator? Almost certainly not. But when you see Sam Howell go out and make the mistakes he makes, that's really the quickest way to get benched. And and that's the path we're on right now. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how's bad. It's Jover. Like we, we, we had, we, yes, no, Pat, I know you're grimacing, but it is. I need him for one more week. Justin Herbert's on by in my two QB league. And I just need him one more week, week five. I I mean, there's a, there's a pretty decent chance he doesn't make it through this game. Yeah. I mean, it's such a tough matchup and it's such a tough pass rush matchup. And you know, who doesn't handle pass rush? Well, it's Sam Howell. So yeah, Uh, it is. He's going to learn on the fly. He's so, going to learn on the Yeah, so Let's listen, uh, you, know, you you can't start Dotson in any format. I guess you can start McLaurin if you have like multiple flex spots, but that's that's it. I, it it's that bleak for Washington. Kyle, really quick, anything illuminating on the commander's backfield? Is it still as simple as Brian Robinson, two down back, we in good matchups, maybe he'll get some touchdowns. Yeah, that about checks out for me. Antonio Gibson hasn't topped five touches in a game yet. Completely unusable. But as we expected, we're not getting targets for Brian Robinson. You can probably still play him this week because he's a good bet for 15 carries. But it's 15 relatively inefficient carries that probably aren't coming near the goal line. So you can play him as in he's like a, a very low ceiling flex option. I try to avoid playing him if I can. Just some people don't have other options. Sounds like you guys would start Kenny Pickett over Sam Howell this week, by the way. I'm asking yeah. for a friend. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> for a friend who is uh, there's there's your there's your actionable advice for this episode. Yeah. His name is Patrick D. I know it's too obvious. Let's say P. Darty. And that's a joke <laughs> I stole from The Simpsons. Two of the league's least inspiring teams, Cincinnati and Tennessee, meet up in Nashville with the Bengals as two-point favorites. Denny, part of Joe Burrow's slow start has been an absolutely brutal schedule. Can he finally get on track against the Titans? Very burnable pass defense on the old Cumberland River. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the the calf thing obviously is still not right. You know, like he when he's questioned about it, Joe Burrow evades and like doesn't say anything r- real about how he's feeling. It seems like as someone it, injects like the world's largest needle <laughs> into his calf, like while he's giving the interview, it's fine. Man. It honestly seems like the Bengals have 
uh, removed the stretch play handoff to Mixon from their playbook because Burrow can't move. He can't move like that right now. You know that that that's a problem. I I, I wrote I actually wrote about Joe Burrow in this week's regression files, which you can find on the site. Um, I you know I don't know how the calf is going to heal, how long that's going to take. Uh, but I think things should normalize for Joe Burrow c- going forward. This is obviously a get right spot. The 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 writing will be got. I think for Joe Burrow, uh, he has the NFL's lowest air yards conversion rate through week three, which is really really out of whack. Uh, if you look at his past two years, last year, Joe Burrow had the fifth best rate of air yards conversion converting, you know, that whole thing in 2021, he led everyone. He led, he led all quarterbacks with, with converting the air yards. So I think we can, we can inch toward that, uh, you know, normalization. It'll be good for everybody, especially for T Higgins here. I forgot to put any follow-up questions for this game, but the Bengals, much more gettable on the ground. It's only a two-point spread. Uh, can the Derrick Henry-led Titans run game finally get going? Tajay Spears doesn't seem like he's going to outsnap him this week. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Kyle disagrees. I, I, I think that uh, Henry is actually in a great spot if if game script can – can stay, you know, normal. Can stay some somewhat like sane here. I think that uh, that that Henry is in for a good workload. Uh, Bengals give up the most yards before contact per attempt. So let's go. Let's get Henry in those lines. The the analytics nerds want to dismiss Henry for the 14th straight year. I I refuse. I refuse. We really do. He's he is out here struggling in the in the advanced metrics. But it's a it's a three game sample on. The best runner this side of like 2015, probably, I think it's safe to say. Maybe, yeah, that's about right. Sounds about right. So, and we've seen a slow start for him before. And I don't even think that it was the whatever excuse we made for him. I think it was actually last year. He had something like uh, uh, 159 or 190 rushing yards through three games, averaging like 60, 70 yards, which is fine for like a, a Brian Robinson type, but it's not what you expect from the big dog. And then he went on to average like 130 yards per game for the rest of the season. These things are kind of fluky, though we do need to keep our finger on the pulse of like his rush yards over expected success rate because they are tumbling badly. It's something that if it continues for another few weeks, we do have to start saying, is this guy changed from the person we saw in previous years? But this seems like a decent spot, as Danny said. And I still, I don't, it, it, even the advanced stats, it might not be him. It might just be Ryan Tannehill being a sitting duck. And we have to hope that like Trey Hendrickson just doesn't single-handedly wreck the game. Cause he was kind of doing as, as he did for the Rams. He was yeah, yeah. tearing apart Stafford. And that seems like a, a very eerie, eerie foreshadowing of what he could do it against does. now a statuesque Tannehill, but we'll see. So we need Tannehill to be competitive for Derek, for the big dog to even have any chance on reversing uh, the statistical trend. The 0-3 Vikings are searching for their first victory in Charlotte as four-point road favorites, Kyle. I pulled the plug on Alexander Madison, no offense. In my week four rankings, it's nothing personal. But this is not a universal opinion. What can we expect from Cam Akers' first game in purple? I honestly think he's going to be the lead back for the Vikings. It doesn't seem like this is a widely held opinion, though. What do you think, Kyle? I wouldn't project him to be the lead back, uh, although it's concerning. Like The thing is with Alexander Madison is he's been – particularly inefficient and had a really poor game last week. Uh, you need him to be getting all the work because guys who are inefficient, they, they don't produce beyond they're producing less than what they're expected to. He's the type of guy who we're seeing it this year. 
He's not even getting what's really asked of him. The quote, good news, if you're ignoring the Cam Akers thing, is that per established runs Mike Leone, Madison had the most expected fantasy points of any running back last week. He did not capitalize on many of them. And the problem with that is that's a clear opening for Cam Akers to take work from him. My only sort of qualm with that theory is Akers ranks dead last in rush yards over expected, dead last in success rate. He's just, he just hasn't been good this year. It's a small sample. So do with that what you will. I still think he is eased into the lineup, which is bad for Madison, but Madison's probably still playable this week, which uh, that's not what you drafted him for. <laughs> no, not by a long shot, but I think he's still flex worthy. He probably fell uh, probably out of the RB2 range for me, frankly. I moved him out of the RB2 range. Denny, where do you fall on Alexander Madison? Because I, I do feel like I'm out of step with consensus this week. Yeah, I mean, the the, the people are telling you to calm down uh, on, uh, on on Madison. No, but I mean, Madison is is not good. And also, I think it's the fumbles that will really uh, open up an opportunity. The fumbles and a drop and getting stymied on the goal line. I just The box score lied very hardcore in week three for Alexander Madison. Yeah, uh, head coach Kevin O'Connell was asked after the uh, their loss to the Chargers, like, what are you going to do about these fumbles, these these turnovers? And he said, if if the guys can't stop fumbling and turning it over, we will find someone who won't do that. And I think that that was direct, like a direct shot over the bow of of Madison. Uh, and so Acres will get a chance. Is Acres some like great back? No, of course not. I think he. I definitely think he can be way better than Madison. And I think that by week five or six, maybe seven, it's not even a conversation. It's just the Acres backfield. I think this. I really do just think that's happening now. Kevin O'Connell, he said zero tolerance. By the way, uh, also by the way, TJ Hawkinson cannot stop losing fumbles, and yet they keep targeting him like four to five times a game. He uh, Hawkinson was horrific against the Chargers. Like, they, 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 I mean, plainly dropped that touchdown to win the game into the hands of the, of a defender. Got just handed the ball to a defender earlier in the game. Yes, uh, he did. Uh, um, dropped true. another one. I mean, I actually don't remember like a, a pass catcher having a worse game than Hawkinson. That was horrible. Denny, is there any Bryce Young streamer love against this Vikings defense? Where if you want to run for two hundred yards on them, easy. You want to pass for four hundred yards on them, easy. Any Bryce Young? You know, the whole community is like already out on Bryce Young. I know that includes you. Because uh, yeah. he had like one and a half bad games, so he's already a bust. But can you have any streamer? Oh man, but come on, come on! It's it's worse than that. It's worse. Than that. It's it, <laughs> no, I think that's like, ex- exactly what it is. In fact, I think that's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> yeah. No, look, I, I mean the fact that like it's inarguable that Andy Dalton gives this team a better chance to win right now. I still don't know. If I really agree with that. He needed sixty attempts to get like three hundred and twenty yards. I'm not saying yeah. Yeah. Really and and the Seahawks were without, I believe. If not one, both starting safeties, yeah, both starting corners. Like I think, I think if you give ooh. Bryce Young 60 attempts, he'd probably have the same production. They just don't want to do All right. that. Well, I no, I don't think there's any streaming appeal. I don't even think there's super flex appeal here for, for Bryce Young. Uh, I know the Vikings are bad. Like All, all the stats say they're bad. But I, I, I think the Car- Carolina is a team that if they can establish a run, they're going to do it. And – uh, the 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 Vikings are are neither a pass nor a run funnel, so well, they're an everything funnel because you can just literally do whatever you want against yeah. them. So I, I I I don't know. I just don't I don't see the appeal for for Young now. Thielen is another op, is another story, but but <laughs> Young is. Oh, by the way, I yeah I have to say, Kyle, 
I'm sorry, but the Zoomers are taking a huge L on Adam Thielen. <laughs> Literally. No, he had a good game the week before too. He's he is compiling. My buddy is out here ripping seven yards of target <laughs> right down right down the gut. I love it. Uh, yeah, we'll see about that. I, Adam, what's this? I get, you, you call this a good game? Seven catches for fifty-four yards. One he scored, scored, and I think he had a two-point conversion too. A and a tutter. And a tutter. Uh, well, that's a good time to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Do you have what it takes to lead the team to victory? Select your Ryder Cup fantasy team and play with your friends. Visit gamezone.ridercup.com to learn more and watch the Ryder Cup only on NBC, USA, and Peacock Friday to Sunday. And also, don't forget, find all your favorite NBC sports shows and Amazon music. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC sports. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Denny, what percent of the Ryder Cup will you be watching this weekend? 88%, 90%, or 92%? I'm going to go probably 50% because it's in Europe. How can you watch it? Uh, You can watch it on the networks of NBC. Yes. And you're not watching every second of it. Very curious. I think I'm just saying, like, you need to at least get up and turn your TV on so we get the ratings or whatever. the time, the time. I, I, of course, I have Peacock streaming twenty four hours a day in my home. Obviously, it's just the. I don't know if I'll be awake. And a producer, Adam, saying the Euros. I'm not going to read his prediction on air. Actually, we're we're, we're patriotic Americans. That's yeah, not. He said something Adam. very un-American about the outcome potentially of this event, <laughs> which I'm just now learning is Europe versus America. I guess. Uh, <laughs> it is. Well, we have a little guy named Scotty Scheffler. Ever heard of him, Adam? Producer Adam? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, if you have ever heard of Patrick Reed, tell him to not sue Denny and I. I am actually earlier this week. I would like to start a letter writing campaign on, on that front. Um, he's very litigious. Uh, please, please, Patrick Reed. We both have families. <laughs> the Ravens and Browns are preparing for a Lake Erie slugfest with Vegas setting the over-under at only 40 and a half points. Oh my goodness gracious. And installing the Browns as field goal home favorites. Denny, we keep quote joking about how the Ravens like look absolutely miserable, like in their mood, not just their play, just their mood, but it's really not even a joke at this point. Just what is going wrong? Let's start with the Ravens passing attack. Why is like nothing changed from last year? Basically. Uh, They still don't have anyone downfield. I mean, they like they, it's still everything is like near the line of scrimmage and the intermediate part of the field. Lamar is 26th out of 33 qualifying quarterbacks in downfield throw a uh, pass rate. Um, it's a it's a I think it's still predictable. And, and you know, you got OBJ injured. You got uh, Bateman is out like, you know, it, it's the same thing every year with the Ravens. Just a bunch of injuries. They have to, you know, go back 
to the same guys year in and year out. They're again, they're starting Melvin Gordon, or they, they might be starting Melvin Gordon depending on Gus Edwards' uh, health. So I, I, it's it is it is really tough. Lamar's. We thought that Lamar might have like a passing ceiling this year. That's not the case right now. I'm not saying it can't be later this year, maybe, but right now that is not the case. Lamar has to get there uh, with rushing, which last last week, to be fair, he did. But what what is up with these Ravens injuries every single year? I just every really year. don't understand. I mean, I think that's part of why they look miserable. Is that like, I, I mean, some of it maybe is like training staff. I'm sure training staffs can do better, and facilities can do better than worse, or better than other teams. Teams can be better and worse at like keeping their players healthy. But to some degree, they obviously are having bad luck over and over and over again. And over a large enough sample, someone will come up with snake eyes a bunch of times in a row. That has to be a miserable experience to be Lamar out there. And you're like, Bateman's been playing great in training camp or whatever. We're going to get him going. Oh, my God, J.K. Dobbins finally healthy. And then you go out there and, like, in week three, it's Nelson Aguilar and Melvin Gordon. Like, that probably is, like, legitimately a very frustrating experience. They have to stop practicing on, like, that sawdust practice field. And surely, how they quote, it's just southern grass and it just turns that color and it's not actually sawdust. Um, they need to play on real grass. I think, mean, was it, zoysia? Some southern grass. And... I Why went viral. Southern Maryland's not in the South. I know they, they grew everyone. The Ravens installed this like Southern type grass at their practice. Facility. Oh, really? and, it, and it turns like, it turns like deep, like Brown. It looks horrible. They and, like, put, when like rusty get, nails on the field before to like help. When help people kept getting injured last year, they were, they were like the pictures of their practice facility were going viral. Cause it looked like they were just playing on dirt. It Why? looks like, like when the Raiders would play in the A's stadium or a baseball park and it's, they literally would run across the, the infield. That's what the Raiders normal grass looks or the Raiders. That's what the Ravens normal grass looks like at practice. It's hideous. Nothing more about the Ravens grass though. Kyle was week three, the start of something for Deshaun Watson who got off to a bit of a shaky start, tried to commit one of the worst turnovers by any player in football history. Can you describe the play? Because it's incredible. Quickly, please. Well, he was falling backwards and then threw the ball backwards 11 yards. And then was very, very lucky that a running back was there to retrieve it. It's like something you'd see in college. Was it the start of something for him? Amari Cooper, he's got a good connection with. They cannot establish a second weapon, though. Nothing has happened with David and Joku. They keep trying to make Elijah Moore happen, and it is not happening. It was a QB 11 day, though, for Deshaun Watson. What were the takeaways? Yeah, I mean, he looked – It's for my money, the best outside of that one play, if you just take the totality, even including that one play, everything else was incredible. I think it was like 26 of 33. I think his highest passing yards with the Browns. And overall, to me, just looked like his best game in Cleveland. But as you talked about, this is going to be quite the ugly game. It's a 40 total, as you said, that has come down since opening. But the Browns are favorites in that game, meaning they will probably get to run the football a decent bit. And the Ravens have been a really strong team, top 10 in pass EPA. So it would make sense, at least, for the Browns to, you can at least envision a world in which they want to lean into their ground game. And it's just one good game from Watson so far. I'm not going to, you know, swing too much in the other direction of, oh, he's fixed now. And this doesn't look like a game that is exciting in any fashion for either side. So I'm not too optimistic on his specific week four outlook, though seeing week three is absolutely what had to happen for this team after obviously Watson looks terrible in his debut what was like six games or whatever last year. And then it continues in week one and two. And you're thinking the most heinous, like this franchise is doomed given what they have given up to get him week three is what they needed. I just think fantasy wise week four outlook is pretty meh. 
It's true. It's not the good place to get a hot streak started. By the way, it's Bermuda grass that they practice on. It turns unsightly in the winter. Uh, any Jerome Ford concern? Not really. 40 to 14 out snapped. Cream Hunt. Cream Hunt being an old man already has two different injuries. Anything to add beyond that, you guys? Uh, well, I did have Jerome Ford in the bad part of the regression files this week. So I guess it was all touchdown based in week two or week three, excuse me, but he was out there like in every important situation, totally dominated snaps. What, what was he did? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's just outside of that long run that he had. And I hate to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy outside of the, the long run that he had against Pittsburgh after Nick Chubb went down with an injury. He's done nothing. He's done nothing. Like he's been, he's been really, really very like below average. Uh, and he's only running around on half the team's dropbacks. So I don't know. I feel like Kareem Hunt, if he is not super dinged up, I know he has, he has the groin and the ribs. So maybe, maybe the I'm shoulder, the it. foot, the back. He's, but I, I, I do, I do think that Jerome Ford seems like the kind of guy who could leave the door open for someone else to come in and not, not, not take the, lead back role but to split it up in a way that's not great for fantasy we shall see i'm not worried yet though uh, the kansas city chiefs travel to new jersey as nine and a half point favorites against the crumbling new york jets kyle have we spotted any interesting usage trends with these chiefs pass catchers yet it's been only three games but on the other hand it's been three games and i feel like we still have no idea what to expect in the targets department for the play pass catchers catching balls from the greatest quarterback of the 21st century. Yeah, uh, no, there's nothing useful here. Move on. Why are you still, I mean, like you can hold Sky more, I think if you want, but frankly, I'm totally fine if you need to cut him for like literally Devonte Parker or Kendrick Bourne, because those guys are, are actually doing something at least, whereas Sky ranks 59th in yards per route run. He's second on the team in routes, but that doesn't mean anything if you can't put up any yards on those routes. MVS is 74th in yards per route run, and he leads the team in routes. The players that are at least through three games looking more exciting are Justin Watson and Rasheed Rice, both top 20 in routes, yards per route run, and they're not the top two receivers. So... And Kadarius Tony is running no routes and actually isn't even efficient on a per route basis. Still drawing no. a ton of targets. But sure, he's good at something though. We'll see. He <laughs> he's good at getting it. schemed the ball. What especially you know he's been good at doing stuff with the ball in his hands in previous seasons. Not really even doing much of that right now. So and he's still nicked up with the toe issue, which whatever. So no, don't play a single one of these guys. If I have to roster one of them, it's actually Rasheed Rice. I think he's maybe legit good. And you just hope the routes follow. But Tony, I think the reason he's not even doing like the cool stuff anymore is every time he made some insanely sick cut, his like calf would like snap off the bone. And he's putting a lot of force on those muscles. Denny, is there any Garrett Wilson hope in a game where the Jets should be trailing for close to 60 minutes? Does that do we like comeback game script for Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson? Or does that just make sacks more likely, turnovers more likely, no hope more likely? There's no hope, Pat, but there is cope. Okay. And, and I, I, I think I'm listening. That, uh, <laughs> what'd you say? I said, I'm listening because I might have to start him. And uh, the, the, the cope is that Garrett Wilson, who has just dominated air yards and target share this season, it's just so, it's so bleak to say that, you know, it's just uh, like, it's the same thing. Three with, Trevor with, Simeon. With all these guys. Uh, the, the, the issue here is that the chiefs are among the league leaders in 
pressure rate uh, against quarterbacks. And Zach Wilson, let me let me show you. Let me tell you a little bit about how Zach Wilson has performed under pressure. <laughs> he's first of all, he's been pressured on fifty one percent of his dropbacks this year. That's the, that's uh, tops in the league. He's completed thirty six percent of those attempts for a whopping three point seven yards per attempt. Okay. It's just nothing can develop. This offensive line is bad. No team is afraid of the run. Okay. So they just, they just, everybody crowds the line of scrimmage. Grain and shambles. Oh, man. Well, you know, honestly, though, sorry, Pat. <laughs> it, listen, in, a, in, a, in an alternate universe where Aaron Rodgers doesn't tear his Achilles in the fourth play of the season, I think Brees Hall goes berserk. You know, it's haunting. It's, I think you guys think, are really locked out. You guys. Yeah, Save yourselves think, on this one. No, I'm not taking the dub on that because it's haunting. He is a special player who got yeah. totally screwed. Bre- Brees Hall is the RB1 overall. Garrett Wilson is a top three wide receiver in fantasy. It's that it all would have happened, and now it's just gone. Like you probably shouldn't be starting Garrett Wilson here, which is just really? devastating. Yeah, I don't think he's good. hardly starting. Looks like like Pat, you said you point out like most of garbage time is you get into garbage time because your quarterback performs poorly, you get behind, and then you're in a very obvious passing spot where it's easy to defend you. You don't have the threat of the run. Teams aren't putting eight guys in the box and giving you one-on-one on the outside. So being down isn't going to help you unless it's truly prevent, which teams aren't really doing. Like They aren't just giving it up, right? For the most part, they're just trying to accurately defend you, and they know your only option is to pass. So you know what Zach Wilson doesn't need? to have a very obvious spot where he, someone knows he's going to throw the football yeah. and a good defense in terms of pressure. The Chiefs are overall fifth in EPA per dropback as a defense. This is a – they mostly are with Zach Wilson, but another dreadful spot. I I mean, Garrett Wilson is startable in that, like, you can throw out 50 names of guys. I'm like, sure, put him in your flex. But <laughs> he's in that range of, like, there might be someone better on the wire this week for you. Man, that is so, so bleak. The Chiefs have held up pretty well against the run, too. So even if they try to play a true keep-away ball, probably not likely to find much success there, the New York Jets. We are very sad about our New York Jets skill players. The Seahawks and Giants meet up Monday evening in a 47-and-a-half total pick em, Danny Carter. How are things unfolding in the Seahawks receiver core? I'll ask you once again about your JSN tweet and pointing out the very, very poor yards per outrun. Yeah. games. Look, I'm not trying to pile on JSN, who is clearly like very frustrated on the sideline. I saw a clip of Geno Smith trying to cheer him up on the sideline after I don't know he dropped a pass or or maybe he was intercepted or something. And and so I'm sure that JSN one day will be will be good. Will be a good NFL receiver. I just don't I don't see the path right now. We talked a little bit about this on, on Tuesday. I'll just reiterate that the the Seahawks are playing are having three wide receivers on the field at the seventh lowest rate in the league that, which means that JSN 60% route rate is not a fluke. Like that's not, that can't go anywhere. That's stuck. Okay. Um, can't do much 60%. And, and also uh, with a low a dot, it, it I, there's just no path to upside here. Low a dot. It's like sub five or sub three. It is only, I mean, he's, he's like, extra routes Kadarius Tony, but the one we're seeing right now where you're like, he's not yeah. even really like breaking off the long plays. It's just a few scheme touches at the line of scrimmage every week. And that's it. And that's just not enough. Seahawks fans have told me that things will get better when the offensive line is healthier. 
it's i feel like it really was a simple how was this guy supposed to produce behind tyler lockett and DK? yeah it, it really why is. is anyone surprised that he's not it really is and by and just getting to lockett and, and metcalf all of their opportunity numbers are like strikingly similar like i was just looking across them like oh it's the same thing across the board the one thing that jumps out guys Tyler Lockett leads the team with seven end zone targets to DK Metcalf's two end zone targets. (laughs) He's been converting way fewer of his targets overall so far this year, Tyler Lockett. He's been kind of inefficient. He's probably bound to regress to the media. Yeah, I agree. Kyle, is there anything to cling to with these Giants pass catchers? The Giants plan, man, in week three was like, let's make Darren Waller 40-year-old Kyle Pitts seem to (laughs) not be a very good plan. Uh, Anything to cling to here? Yeah, not really. I mean, we're we're seeing pretty reasonable, I believe, both 17% target shares for Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton, but Paris Campbell is just getting targets near the line of scrimmage. And now really Wanda Robinson's that. back to fight for those targets. Yeah, that's that was my you you skipped ahead a little bit. That was my little Sorry. nugget is Darius Slayton is actually running a real receiver role on the outside with a 17% target share. I'm not sure how much that is worth with Daniel Jones under center, but it's a high scoring game. There's maybe some juice there more for DFS purposes. If you're a real sicko, one thing I had Wandale Robinson targeted on over half of his routes in his yeah. first game back. Let's go. He's, he's got something. I, I think he's a legit good player. We saw last year in his very sort of brief moment in the sun. He looked like, I mean, he like looks not too distant from what we want from Kadarius Tony, where he's like truly dynamic with the ball in his hands, but then can also Maybe we'll see, but I think he can probably run more routes in a given week than Tony. So I, I hope they ramp him up, but it was still in a very minimal share of the team's routes. You're not playing him this week. It would have to be a leap for you to even consider him playing next week. Stash him though in deep leagues. There's some juice with with him. I just wrote Matt Breida, LOL. We don't really have to talk about that. Um, I, I want to, can I just say one thing real quick on this game? Uh, no one has been targeted. No defense has been targeted more heavily from the slot than the Seahawks this year. I just want to put that out there for it's been a really rough schedule for the Giants too. I mean, even the Cardinals have overachieved on defense three straight weeks. So it is nice to see the Giants finally get like a non-elite defense. This, this is a weeks. this is a Darren Waller uh, smash spot. I think this is if they use him as a tight end, why are they using him as a wide receiver? That just doesn't work. Like it was so weird because that quarterback's like last great. year or some super big slow guy on the outside. Oh, this is amazing. Let me. It was so weird that everyone in the attention. off season said exactly what you're saying, but they framed it as a positive. Oh, he's going to be moved out wide in the slot. Yeah, no, that's but bad. last year, but last year he was by far his best in yards per route run as an inline tight end, and that's been who he is throughout his career. He's a legit good inline tight end, and he's like his best seasons were when he was the most traditional tight end you've ever seen. He's good at that. He blows up that way. Then we saw Josh McDaniel come in and try and use him in some weird weapony kind of way. It doesn't work. They move on from him and his next team really didn't seem to learn the lesson from it. So I I'm with you, Pat, like just let him do the thing. He's good at let him play tight end. And the media yeah. is informing me. We still have six games left somehow. The oh Rams, uh, Rams and Colts meet up in this week's second pick them. In Indianapolis, Kyle, the Rams have looked a little less impressive with each passing week, including Puka Nakua's first mortal effort in week three, still a perfectly fine game. Do we do we like do we like him? I can't even read my road. Uh, do we think Puka is gonna bounce back against this soft Colts defense? Yeah, we like the passing attack from the Rams, but specifically because they're a volume team. Stafford, he's not been terrible. He was he was truly not 
good last year. He's been better. He's 16th in EPA per dropback, 27th in completion percent over expected. He's good enough to make this high volume plus 6% pass rate over expected engine churn, getting our, our Tutu Atwell 20th round uh, shares going, getting our Pukunakua <laughs> to still you know good. Tutu Atwell is fourth in the NFL in routes. Yeah, no, I, I, I wrote him up in my start sets. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, he's like 16th in targets. He is good. He's good. He's just, there's no, no scamming about it. I think he's legit good. Puka's legit really good. These guys are in spots for, for Tutu. It's not even a bounce back because he scored, but for more good fantasy performances. But they're, they're somewhat hollow in terms of how they will actually affect the Rams winning football games. They're much more volume-based. So Stafford, I, wanted, I want to like him more as like a possible streaming option, but he's just not efficient enough. And efficiency is really what's going to drive quarterback play. Like, like we said, oh, Andy Dalton got 300 yards. It only took him 60 attempts. Like Unless you get to absurd numbers, efficiency, good plays, long plays, yards after the catch is what's going to drive quarterback performance. And I don't see a ton of that happening here. Maybe he gets 300 yards, but is he really going to drop a three-touchdown type performance? For him, it seems unlikely adjacent. <laughs> Zach Wilson, 301 yards and 81 attempts this week against the Chiefs. Let's go. You heard it it here first. Denny, Anthony Richardson's coming back from his concussion for the Colts. What Anything, words of wisdom to pass on to the Colts passing game? Anthony Richardson back. Michael Pittman seems to catch eight passes no matter who the quarterback is. Josh Downs, a lot more involved than Mr. Alec Pierce. Yeah, uh, well, I I was a little bit surprised to see that the team – doesn't operate. The Colts don't operate all that differently when Minshew is under center. Uh, they had a 0% pass rate over expected in week one with Richardson. Uh, they've been uh, 2% under their expected pass rate with Minshew, with Minshew over two games. Um, you know, the, I think the, the, the real thing to focus on is that the Colts are playing fast. Uh, they, they average the fifth most offensive snaps per game. If we can keep that up, we can, I think, get okay volume for, for Josh Downs, who has a good uh, good matchup here for for Pittman, um, you know you can keep the the, the scammy stuff going. It's gonna all all be very short short kind of targets though. Uh, you know, really nothing downfield for this Colts offense. Uh, Zach Moss, Kyron Williams both play every snap, so that's the world we live in now. Yes, Zach Moss is a really good play this this week. Get yeah. them in your fantasy lineups. The Cowboys host the Patriots as roughly touchdown home favorites. Denny. We have not seen impressive offensive football from the Cowboys so far in 2023. What in the world is going on with this passing attack? Is it just as simple as it's getting Mike McCarthy? Even though, like we said, he is a pass-heavy coach, but he was not an effective pass-heavy coach his final few seasons in Green Bay. Without Kellen Moore, this has just been really, really uninspiring offensive football. Yeah, I, well, I, I do think that we're we're probably due for something of a bounce back. Dak, Dak Prescott's touchdown rate is two point nine percent through. He's been games. bad, man. He has been bad. Yeah, it, it's not been good. But you know, his career mark is five percent. He's he's had years in his career where it's near seven percent. Um, the red zone offense has been miserable. It's funny because it's like you know a red zone offense is bad when morning talk shows are talking about it. You know, like <laughs> like not not just us nerds are talking about it, but like 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 super mainstream morning shows are like, hey, this red zone offense of the Cowboys is pretty terrible. Preposterous. I mean, when you have Stephen A. talking about a red zone offense, it's got to be yeah. bad, folks. Like when he, when he just watched like four straight weeks of Steve Sarkeesian. Yep. Yep. So uh, I, I I do think it'll, it'll get better. Uh, Tony Pollard 
has actually done very little with 24. All right, here we go. Here he goes, Kyle. Here the 10-yard line. No, listen, wait a sec. Wait, I'm not truthing. I'm saying that the explosion is coming. Like He's Tony regressing. Pollard, He's regressing. Yes, Tony Pollard, I think, could go bananas in this spot. Please. Yes. The Patriots have been weirdly soft against the run for like a while now, too. We need it, man. I we really, uh, really need that, Tony, if you're listening. Yeah, we need it. Like, we cannot have the haters who are like, oh, he can't get there on more on more work. He, he needs the Zeke in this backfield. No, no, no. Uh, so far, those people have like, if, if you're looking at the metrics I look at, they're winning the argument to some degree. Pollard has still been a like above average back in terms of efficiency, but he hasn't been Tony Pollard. The good news from a fantasy angle is we really don't care if he's on pace to set the NFL record for red zone carries by like 50 carries. Yeah, We're getting a two-score game this week. And it, the first time in his career, he's handled 60-plus carries in any three-game span. Safe to say the Cowboys have faith in what Tony Pollard can do. Between the tackles, Kyle, earlier you mentioned Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker as players you would maybe play over someone else. I forget who. Uh, just tell us why you sort of subtly praised the Patriots receivers. Yeah, in terms of their outside guys, the non-Juju and Demario Douglas guys, uh, they're running a ton of routes. We have Devontae Parker since coming back in week two, 97% of the routes. He just does not leave the field. And then Kendrick Bourne, we said last week, was fairly unplayable because he had dropped like 56% of the routes. Last week that clomb or that climbed climbed to seventy. No, clomed is right. No, no. <laughs> Get, producer Adam, cut it out. Cut hurry, Adam, Adam. It's clomed. <laughs> no. <laughs> cut it, Adam, please. <laughs> climbed to 76%. Uh it, like we were concerned that as as fun as Kendrick Bourne going out and earning not only earning a lot of targets on a per route basis, but earning deep targets, racking up some of those air yards in the NFL, that isn't particularly sustainable on half the routes. And 75 plus percent of the routes. We're back to usable territory. That could be a thing that ebbs and flows with how much too tight end. And if they use multiple running backs, how much those things come and go. Cause it seems like Parker is locked into every snap, but in general, that was a good turn for a guy who was like pretty exciting as far as completely undrafted for fantasy purposes. And the Patriots are playing at just a breakneck pace. They're averaging like 23 seconds per play after last year. That was somewhere around 29 right now. They're top five in the NFL. I believe in just total plays per game. And Mac Jones is top five in pass attempts per game. This is like a fun PPR scam offense. It's as fun of a PPR scam offense as it gets in terms of everyone gets to touch the ball a lot. No one's like particularly great, but when you get like a bunch of targets, when you can have two backs who are already over, I think 30 touches, like 30 and 50 touches for the two backs, like you're going to get a lot of usable, if not the not most exciting games from multiple guys in every week. We would be remiss if we did not mention that it's a revenge game for Mr. Ezekiel Elliott against the Dallas Cowboys, who is cutting uncomfortably heavily, heavily into Ramondre Stevenson's workload. Denny, it's not it's not Jover, right? Ramondre's still running a ton of routes. Yeah, no, I mean the through three weeks, uh, Stevenson has forty six carries to twenty eight carries for Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Stevenson is running a route on about sixty percent of the dropbacks, twenty four percent. Uh, for for Stevenson, I looked at the the inside the ten numbers, at thinking that Elliott would have the edge. That he does not. Stevenson has two inside the ten rushing attempts to zero to zero. Zeke has zero so far through Cancels. week three. Um, but they they're playing they're playing a really vulnerable Dallas rush defense. We just saw uh, the Cowboys get kind of gashed by the Cardinals by by James Conner last week. 
Um, I, I know what Kyle was saying about, you know, the pass volume with the Patriots and stuff, they are under their expected pass rate on, on the year. I, I would think that they would turn to the right if they can, if they can here, like if they can keep pace, I, and you know, I don't, I don't see any reason why the Patriots can't win this game. Do you guys? No, I think six and a half is a hefty line. I mean, I, a lot I, of respect for the Dallas football. Cowboys. That's a lot. That's a to, to a team that just got beat by the freaking. Uh, I'm going to say we see Mika Parsons like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mac Jones within the first drive, and you go, I see why there's a touchdown now. I see it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm saying that's what Andy literally, literally stunned him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I I mean I'm not going to bore. I I've decided I've decided I made the executive call. I'm not going to bore everybody with the numbers. Just suffice it to say that the Cowboys run defense is really bad. I think that Stevenson and Zeke are in good spots. I think, guys, I, I really do think they're going to scheme up a touchdown for Ezekiel. I'll, I'll okay. entertain someone with a less boring stat of, you can just imagine them, uh, and it looks like they're putting a 20-foot ladder in the backfield, and what is that? Mika Parsons is climbing it. Oh, he's going down. Mac Jones is down. By the way, it's Micah, Kyle. Um, is it? I think so, right? He's allowed to He's allowed to change it. He's had enough name-changing performances. He's maybe he, changed it. He could, he could change it at any moment. You know what feels like a lot of points, by the way, is 14 for the 49ers against the Cardinals, who just beat the Cowboys. But I keep underestimating the 49ers, and they keep ruthlessly uh, proving me wrong. Um, fresh off upsetting the Cowboys, though, the Cardinals are getting no love, as the aforementioned two-touchdown dogs in Santa Clara. Kyle, is there anything to like in this Cardinals offense? Kind of the little train that could. I mean, James Conner has been something to like. Tell people about the Cardinals offense. Yeah, I mean, you, you pointed it out. James Conner and Marquise Brown are just complete focal points of the team. James Conner is fourth in total touches among running backs, and it hasn't hurt his efficiency. He's actually having a pretty strong season in terms of efficiency, which is always the concern with a sort of, you know, in the offseason, we'll call them like dead zone type of running backs. You lock them in for a bunch of touches, but as their efficiency drains, they can hardly do much with their touches, and then they eventually lose them. Not the James Conner case. He's been strong both through the air and on the ground. And then Marquise Brown, a 29% target share. So when the team succeeds, which has actually been much more often than we were expecting, you know who's getting the ball. It's on the ground, James Conner, and through the air, Marquise Brown. We'll see what we get from Rondale Moore. He's still not running a full complement of routes, but at least on his carry, and he's getting more targets now. Looks good. I still don't think I'm playing him, but I don't hate the idea of stashing him. But also, I'm someone who is kind of a sucker from Rondale Moore coming out of college. So for this game... Marquise Brown, a trillion targets, and James Conner, they're probably still running a lot because they're a more like philosophically balanced team, if you ask me. Then on the other side, Debo Samuel's now hurt, right, as Brandon Ayuk comes back. We don't know if Debo's going to sit out, but what is the 49ers passing attack outlook this week? Two touchdown home favorites. They're somehow already really banged up with their pass catchers. What can we tell folks about the Niners' pass catchers? I mean, D- Debo, if Debo misses, I think – you know, you give a bump to Ayuk. I think you give a big bump to Kittle. I, I, I do think that it's like, and what what does uh, Hayden Wings call it? An eruption spot. This is what Hayden calls it. Uh, Suvius spot. Yes. Uh, for you know, for Kittle, and and also look, don't don't be freaked out by like a big spread. You know, people. I feel like fantasy managers overthink that. Oh, it's a big spread. I can't play the Niners because they're going to pull their guys in the third quarter, or the fourth quarter. Look, if they oh, get there, Danny, if, if, they're going to drop 40 points. How can we play the guys who are going to exactly, drop 40 points? Exactly. Also, the Cardinals are going to win. So, anyway, <laughs> next game. I love okay. it. I was ready for that. Shani gets exposed every year sooner or later. Why not? Why not this week? Why not? Why not? 
Cardinals do overachieve every week. I said last week that the 49ers line was too high and that the Giants were going to cover. Then I became a corn cob <laughs> very quickly. But you have never been owned. That's I have never been owned. I just corn cobbed right there on X.com during Thursday night football. The Chargers and Raiders meet up in this week's Everyone is Hurt Bowl. For the Chargers, Denny, that includes number two receiver Mike Williams. How do we expect things to shake out behind Keenan Allen? We may have already talked about this, and we may have already sadly agreed it was Josh Palmer. Well, kind of, but I mean, you know, this team runs a lot of three wide receiver sets. They're going to, like Daniel Popper, the athletic reporter for the Chargers, said we're, go- we're they're going to have to play Quentin Johnston, even if they don't want to. Apparently, he's very raw in many many regards. Uh, you know, so I think John- Johnston is going to go from a thirty percent route rate to something like fifty or sixty percent here. You know, still very volatile downfield type stuff. I look whether you like Josh Palmer or not, you got to accept that he's going to see eight to ten targets here. She's got to accept it. It's going to happen. You do just have to accept it. I mean, Quentin Johnston is he worth like rostering? Yeah, like, I think so. End of bench stash, right? Uh, yep. It, it, the narratives have been so concerning. I mean, the narratives from his own coaching staff. So yeah. it's not like it's like fantasy narratives. That's been concerning, but. I, he, I think he should be 100% rostered just as we try to see what happens. Here. Yeah, there, there have been concerns about, like, he doesn't know where to line up. You know, yeah, and, and that's, that's tough. Problem. Yeah, that is uh, very tough. Kyle Jacoby Myers has had two excellent outings. Is this Raiders receiver core big enough for the two of Myers and Devontae Adams? That is assuming Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy. His status is highly, highly questionable for week four. Yeah, in fact, the Raiders receiver core is small enough for the two of them. They don't have... A receiver or tight end with a target share above 5% that is not one of the two guys you just named. They literally do not throw the ball to a single living soul that isn't Josh Jacobs or more importantly, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams. If Hunter Renfro is out there and able to earn targets, which he's out there a bit, doesn't earn targets, or Michael Mayer was out there and earning targets, we'd probably have to say someone something has to give. Nothing has to give if they throw to two players. That's exactly what they're doing so far. So, no, I think this is perfectly fine. I have Myers ranked as, uh, like, cleanly in the wide receiver two range because, like, his usage looks like a lot of other teams' wide receiver ones. It's a very Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins type of situation here. The Steelers, three-point road favorites against the Houston Texans. That seems high to me. Every line is incorrect until it's always exactly correct. Um, is that line, though, smart, Kyle, the way C.J. Stroud has been playing – and who do we prefer between Nico Collins and Tank Dell? Tank Dell has been winning both the usage and production war since Noah Brown landed on injured reserve. But we still like Nico Collins' box score after three games. Yeah, in terms of the receivers, uh, I think I maybe said I would lean towards Nico Collins on the waiver wire Q&A. I, I think I'm flipping my tune. I mean, over the past two weeks since you said Noah Brown went on IR, Tank Dell leads the two Nico Collins and Tank Dell in route rate. He leads them in target share, and that's in both individual weeks. And in the aggregate, in both weeks, he also leads the team, or at least, yeah, he leads the team as well, in air yard share. He is really looking like a wide receiver one for his own team, and he's not being, like, scheme touches in a way that he's, I think he's literally like 5'8", 165. You would think, okay, that guy's getting a lot of Rondale Moore type of stuff. No, he's like legit playing an outside receiver role. He's moving the sticks. This is what a, a team's legit one looks like, especially in the more modern NFL, where you don't have to have every guy look like Mike Evans. So for the receivers, slight lean towards Tank Dell. They're both pretty good plays, honestly. And yeah, the passing game looks like it should hold up quite well. I will say we still have uh, CJ Stroud sack taking issues, and this is a very strong Pittsburgh 
pass rush and the Texans offensive line is just in tatters right now. So I think it'll probably be a high volume, high, you know, Rams type of spot, actually a lot like Matthew Stafford getting repeatedly taken down by Trey Hendrickson. We're probably going to see some of that, but on the other hand, when they get the ball off, Stroud is a legit good passer already. So hopefully a little more escapability, at least from the rookie CJ yes. Stroud, who has not dealt with nearly as many injuries in his career as Matthew Stafford. Danny, what is going on? Damian Pierce. He, he was a pretty controversial summer player, kind of more people on the negative side of the ledger, probably when it came to Damian Pierce, that has come true so far. Hasn't hit 60% of the snaps in any given week. He actually played 54% of the snaps in week three, but the really bad news is that was a season high. So what can yeah. we tell people about Damian Pierce and the Texans running, rushing? Well, attack? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the touches have been okay. I mean, uh, week one was rough, only 13 touches uh, in, in that one, but you know, uh, week two, he gets 17 touches week three, he gets 17 touches. He scores a touchdown. Damian Pierce, the only Texans running back to see a touch inside the 10 yard line through three weeks. So he's getting those high value looks as well. Um, the the Steelers defense has been, or rush defense, I should say, has been somewhat vulnerable uh, without their big nose tackle, whose name I now forget. Um, shoot. You know, the guy. You know, the guy, the, the big guy. dude. What, Hayward? Hayward, Cam Hayward. Yeah. Yes. Is he, is he a nose tackle? Is he, well, he's an, he's an interior lineman, correct? I thought he was more on the outside, but he is probably an interior. We don't know ball. Let's just be real. <laughs> don't know anything no. about it. Never watched think, it. I actually think he uh, rotates in and out. He's an interior. Yeah, he, he's very sure. good is the point. Um, and and so they, they've been, they've been allowing over five and a half yards per carry without Hayward in there. I think, I think Pierce is just a boring floor play. You're hoping for a touchdown. He's a little bit involved in the past game. You're starting him. I mean, if you drafted him, you got to start him. There's nobody else you can start over him. He's a Jeffrey Simmons type dominator, by the way. Cam Hayward, I do think. Yeah, most he, of it comes from the interior of the line. I do know. Yeah, he's like a he's like so a four three inside lineman. He's not like true nose nose tackle. He's more of a four three D tackle. Uh, if I remember correctly, Grogan Pittsburgh, if you can't cite exactly what position, like if he's nose or like the, you know, D right tackle, uh, you get, uh, you get bludgeoned. So having, having yins are in my blood. I know this. Yeah. The thing with Pierce is that like he plays on a team that when they're at their best, very clearly is when they're passing, uh, which in terms of being probably going to lose more games, they're going to be doing a lot of passing. So there aren't red zone opportunities for him, but he's also been as expected as he was last year, struggling as a receiver. He's 42nd in yards per route run. So he's getting a ton of empty value touches, like in terms of percentage of his total touches, it's most of them. So I don't think, and he's not even as efficient as he was last year. He was an incredible tackle breaker last year. I'm not seeing as much of that. There's just not a lot of hope to point to outside of the fact that if Stroud continues to look good, it should put them in more advantageous situations at some point. But as three-point dogs, this doesn't look like the game. Anyone you want to have anything to say about the Steelers' offense, or can we just like stop talking about the Steelers' offense? Najee Harris looks suspiciously good in all of the nerd metrics. I keep tweeting them out because it's funny. Yeah. I don't believe them in my heart, but I don't play with my heart, so... It's not good. It's not good for us, uh, Najee doubters. That he's yeah. he's actually looking good. No, no, he's, he is. Yeah. yeah, he's like he's like top. He, he might he might be looking good on the spreadsheet. He's not looking yeah. good on the field. Yeah, that's what that's what the thing I just said was that I can't <laughs> believe it in my heart. Although I don't like 
I'm not a heart player. I'm not a field player. I'm just reading the reading the CSVs. Absolutely horrific when you watch real football still. So <laughs> the haters do have that going for them. Expected to be without Derek Carr. The Saints are party to this week's lowest over under at a ghastly 39 and a half with the Bucks. Denny, why is Jameis Winston not a fun streamer anymore? Is Chris Olave still an okay wide receiver one for week four? Um, Olave wide receiver one. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, just, probably just outside. I, uh, in there. I mean, really bad, really bad environment game wise. Uh, and yeah, I think that James Winston is clearly under instructions to not mess up. Like don't he's under, if he goes more than 55 miles an hour, the bus be blown. <laughs> yeah. That's do, yeah. Do not. Yes. Do, if he goes 56, he's, he's, uh, he's in trouble. Yeah. Uh, you know, six and a half yards per target uh, last week in uh, relief of Derek Carr. You know, I just, I, I, he's like a desperation streamer, a super flex option, but um, I just don't, I don't see the upside here just because of the way they're going to manage this. And also look, no one, you know, Pat doesn't want to talk about it and uh, he might cut my mic. Yeah, yeah I should. I, I won't though. But you know, you know what's coming. You know, eight. I carries, don't know what's coming. Eight no, carries uh, for Taysom Hill. I Pete, don't know that. Pete Carmichael, Alvin Kamara's back. Pete Carmichael or Dennis Allen, one of the two, said they're not considering playing a more tight end or at, at a quarterback. This is, I don't know. I mean, that's also would be smart game. What position does this guy play? He's not a tight end. He's not a quarterback. He's not I don't a wide think receiver. he takes the majority of his snaps at any individual position. Like the most snaps he plays is only a plurality. So he like, is truly the most positionless player. Can we just be uh, done with this? Like, yeah, it feels like we should be. Uh, I will is. say, in defense of Jameis, uh, two years ago he totally was on the you. The bus blows up if you go under. Well, in this case, it was <laughs> over fifty-five type of situation. But last year he averaged like two hundred and eighty passing yards, was throwing picks with reckless abandon and taking sacks. We got for three games the whole Jameis Winston experience. And to me, some of that feels like the truth in that you just can't take that dog out of Jameis Winston. He will always be, to some degree, who he is. And actually, Chris Olave averaged uh, more fantasy points in his games with Jameis than without. So I'm a little more excited about like QB2 without the desperation tag. Still not the preferred streamer, but not dead to rights type of streaming. Well, in the show, what are realistic Alvin Kamara expectations? Because I feel like we don't quite know what his like normal role is going to be this yeah. year. That he might get returned finally to more like the twelve to fourteen touch Alvin Kamara role instead of the twenty to twenty five where he's just miscast. I'm concerned it's the twenty to twenty five thing because it's what we've seen for two consecutive seasons, and we didn't see it change as the the team moved on from Sean Payton. So I. To me, I'm expecting more of the... They signed a free agent. They used a day two pick. The free agent is, of course, injured right now. But I do think they don't want that to be the case. But maybe they can't with Jamal Williams hurt right now. Yeah, maybe it's a they can't kind of thing. Maybe it was a they can't kind of thing for the past two years. But at least we saw last year and the year before are his two highest seasons in total attempts per game and his two lowest seasons in receptions per game. Last year, it was his lowest usage on third downs. It was his lowest usage in terms of routes run as a wide receiver. Uh, I'm. This is probably a game where you actually don't mind that he's used as a running back because they're favorites against a Bucks team, albeit two and one feels quite fraudulent so i mean that's probably a good thing for it may not matter this week but it has to revert there is a hurdle to clear in that you can't have him be an 18 carry three catch kind of guy 
the 14 carries Alvin Kamara is the best one. Denny, do you have a Kamara take? Uh, so far this season, the Saints are second to last in the league in target rate to running backs. They're highest in the league in target rate to wide receivers. I do think that Kamara returning dings that those that target availability for Alave and Michael Thomas. I I don't know, you know, in in, in equal proportion, probably not. Yeah, it's but, Jover for Michael Thomas. Doesn't matter for a lot. I, of I do Let's feel go. like like it's gonna it's gonna hurt big time for uh, for old Michael. Yeah, old Michael, literally. Slant boy. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> it's the best That's nickname a, ever. <laughs> so I, for a while, I was like, "Am I allowed to say that? Like, should I not be saying? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't ever. I hope he doesn't hear this. Obviously, God, <laughs> he will take it very personally. Um, I take personally the show being over, but it's over. Check out my rankings on the site. Check out the regression files from Denny. Check out 32 stats from Kyle Dvorak. Check out Denny's Q&A on Fridays. Check out Kyle and I's Q&A on Mondays. Check out everything over the weekend where we will break down and cover every single game in excruciating detail. For Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.